It's no secret that the key to increasing member satisfaction lies heavily in how and when you engage with them. With nearly 81% of Americans preferring texting over other forms of communication, wouldn't you want a digital health solution that meets their preference? Meet Lark, an artificial intelligence-based digital health and chronic condition coach that's available to members anytime, anywhere, right from their smartphone. Lark leverages conversational AI and connected devices to activate members, educate and engage them in care, help keep them on track, and achieve positive clinical outcomes. Plus, because Lark is a tech-first solution, it is infinitely scalable and can reach all members of your population, no matter where they live. Lark currently supports those living with or predisposed to diabetes, hypertension, cardiovascular disease, as well as general health and wellness, including stress and anxiety management. No matter who or where your member is, Lark has a health solution for them. Connect with Lark today at www.lark.com. That's www.lark.com. And reimagine how healthcare is delivered to your members. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Payer Issues Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Sukanya Soderland, Senior Vice President and Chief Strategy Officer of Blue Cross Blue Shield of Massachusetts. Sukanya, thank you so much for being here today. I'm thrilled to be here. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about, so let's dive right in. How is Blue Cross Blue Shield of Massachusetts thinking about business growth, especially amid recent COVID-19 surges? Well, Laura, what I would say is we think about growth from a few different dimensions. We think about growth from the dimension of membership, of course, and we're always looking for ways in which we can grow our membership and maintain our high retention, keep our existing members happy, as well as um, attract new members, particularly in the uh, Medicare Advantage arena, where our focus is on trying to keep our members blue for life. And as you know, that's a big growth uh, segment in the overall marketplace. Another dimension is around growth and the value that we can offer to our our constituents and uh, members in particular. And that really has a few components to it. When we think about our value proposition, there's clearly a piece around affordability and stable pricing with access to our broad access network. And here we have many initiatives underway and we're continuing to focus in on high growth cost components like drug pricing. And we recently built out a new company with a handful of other blues plans called EVORX that's looking to creatively arrest the the costs associated with drugs, specialty drugs in particular. Another area is around consumer experience and new products that we can offer to our members. We just recently launched a new product called BlueFit, which uses the high deductible health plans, which aren't that intuitive and that user-friendly to many folks. And it integrates with people's HSA dollars and offers another, uh, a bunch of other features and, and, um, options that can help make it more accessible and more value added to our members. We're looking to expand access to virtual care, and we're always looking to provide deeper integration of dental and pharmacy and emerging uh, digital health innovations and solutions to offer our members the best consumer experience possible. And then a few other areas around quality and ensuring that we're offering high quality Uh, mental health access in particular, in addition to access to more um, conventional forms of healthcare, and equity is another area uh, where we've put some stakes in the ground where we're looking to ensure that we can track 
what our progress has been. We've recognized the challenges of racial health inequities, and you know we can't fix anything if we don't first track and understand where the gaps are, and we're starting to move towards provider payments tied to equity. So those are some of the ways in which we're looking to add value to our members and, and expand that way. And then finally, we look to find opportunities for growth for our associates. Professional growth um, is really important. This is a very tight labor market. Our associates, you know, are, you know, our biggest asset. And we've been finding ways in which we can offer greater flexibility through hybrid work models. We've enhanced our benefits that we're offering to our members, or, or excuse me, to our associates. And we're finding ways in which we can offer additional professional training uh, so that our associates are best positioned to be able to offer the highest value to our members, to the community, to our provider partners, and so on. Absolutely. Wow. So it sounds like you have a lot of different uh, initiatives that you're working on, but obviously ultimately going towards that goal of expanding access to care and providing great care to your members and patients as well as employees. So that's fantastic to hear. And I can imagine that a lot of that it comes down to making sure you've got the right technologies and applications in place across all fronts to really achieve those goals. So what technologies and applications are most interesting to you right now? Oh, goodness, I feel like almost anything and everything at this point touches data and technology. And I'll say what I'm most interested in is the fact that a lot of uh, the data silos that have existed in healthcare in the past are starting to get broken down. And uh, we're seeing that with pricing transparency and interoperability rulings, but we're also seeing that with access to multi-source data on individuals that can allow uh, health professionals and uh, players like Blue Cross, the opportunity to be a bit more personalized to the needs of our different members, as opposed to historically how we've operated, which has been a bit more of one size fits all. So what I'm really interested in and what I'm excited about right now is the opportunity for us to be able to take multi-source data on individuals, on how um, the health system is working, to be able to add real value in meaningful ways. I mean, there's opportunities for us to um, reduce unwarranted practice variation in care and, and have it be much more evidence-based. You know, now that we're able to take the benefit of millions of cells of data and really understand even some more um, niche diseases in different kinds of ways, we're able to take pricing variation, for example, in pharmacy that has existed for years, and you're seeing the industry starting to move towards ways to uh, clamp down on, on some of those gaps. There's opportunities to uh, better understand the racial inequities that we know have existed and persisted for a long time and get more targeted in terms of our applications to try to close those gaps. We're able to take manual processes that have uh, riddled the system. We know there's a lot of waste in the system um, and try to automate them in places that matter. So for example, one of the areas where Blue Cross is focused right now is a, um, an effort with the New England Baptist Hospital here in our state and a partnership with Olive where we're looking to automate prior authorization processes, which is again, as we know, sort of a, a tricky process all around for members, for clinicians, for payers, uh, we're trying to make that more seamless and more efficient, which uh, I think is value-added all around. 
Absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it's really exciting to hear all the different ways that technology can support those efforts and the possibilities um, with some of that technology implementation and innovation. So uh, I want to know more, though, about some of the things you've been talking about in terms of value-based care and really looking at, you know, the type of healthcare that's going to make a difference and be needle moving in the future, both for the quality of care as well as the pricing structures and in how much uh, money is going into the healthcare system. So, how do you anticipate BCBS of Massachusetts will evolve in the value based care environment? That's a great question, Lori. As you know, uh, we are you know still early innings in terms of the migration from fee for service to fee for value. Uh, across the industry, across the country. And Blue Cross of Massachusetts has a rich history and, and a lot of pride around being one of the first models uh, to originate um, around value-based care payment and with the alternative quality contract almost you know, over a decade ago. And we've demonstrated you know, in studies an improvement in terms of medical spending growth and such, uh, which is great, but we also recognize that that has you know helped set the foundation. It's helped influence others as well, but it's not sufficient for getting to where we need to get to, where we recognize that we are in need of a step change in terms of overall total medical expenses in healthcare in the U.S. Uh, given the pressures that our uh, consumers and, and customers face, given the pressures on the healthcare system and so forth, and so we we believe that. The time is ripe right now for us to move to the next level of evolution, to your, your question of evolution, because still much of the um, industry operates in a fee-for-service model. Uh, and it may be that pushing to capitation will be the next wave or the second evolution of value-based payment. You know, we've, we've elevated primar primary care to a different level than it's been, but it's Still not enough. We, we had initially hoped that through value-based models like the AQC, we would be able to rebalance care a bit more between primary care and specialty care, and that we would be able to elevate primary care to a different level. Um, and it somewhat had that effect. We brought in more care coordination, advanced practice nurses, and other types of clinicians into the primary care setting. But the underlying fee-for-service chassis is still really powerful especially at these large tertiary referral organizations that get a lot of their care outside of their own primary care provider network. And so I do think we're going to start seeing more of a migration towards, you know, uh, subcap and full capitation types of models. Uh, and, you know, there's, you know, uh, opportunity for those types of models to help embrace some of the innovations that we're seeing in the marketplace where we can in encourage more virtual care, more phone care, more in-person care, more home care, and so forth. So, for example, we know, you know, there's a debate going on right now amongst plans and hospitals and physicians on how much should we be paying for a virtual visit? Is it equivalent to an in-person visit? Uh, I mean, under the auspices of the public health emergency, you know, there were provisions made there, but moving forward, should it be that or should, should it be, you know, some percentage of that, 80% as an example? And if we were truly paying on a population-based payment up front to primary care practices, you know, that kind of debate would start to wither away. 
And I say all this recognizing that there are many interesting models emerging with innovators who are bringing new uh, uh, payment models to the fore to try to help elevate and compensate care across the care team more appropriately, some of which currently you know, in a fee-for-service world doesn't get any acknowledgement or any compensation. Um, and yet there are also some practical realities in terms of uh, the operational challenges of, of, of transferring payment models, you know, concerns around double counting and risk adjustment and um, and, you know, even just ensuring that the IT systems of payers and providers can accommodate multiple payment models. So I recognize it's not going to happen all at once, but at Blue Cross, we, we're committed to being part of that journey and that next evolution, the next crank forward uh, uh, towards value-based care. That's a really great point and just so interesting to hear your perspective um, from the payer side of things in terms of where value-based care is now and, and, you know, being a leader in some of that migration. And I know a lot of healthcare providers, whether it's health systems, doctor's offices, you know, across the board, um, really see some of the opportunities there. But again, you know, as you mentioned, just find it challenging to make that full transition as, you know, we're, we're in kind of the, the space of fee-for-service plus some value-based contracts too. So. It's really interesting to hear about. Now, uh, looking ahead, where do you see some of the best opportunities to support members over the next decade or so? Well, I would say that the mantra in healthcare for years now has been right care, right place, right time, right price. And we're still trying to achieve that. Uh, we're trying to achieve that mantra and make it a reality for folks. And uh, so I think the best opportunity is for us to make that a reality for different members based on their different needs. So, you know, again, we've been more one size fits all historically, but for folks who are relatively healthy, what I would say is a really big opportunity moving forward over the course of the next decade is to try to find ways to keep people healthy. And we know that Lifestyle factors make up 60, 70% of the overall cost dollar. It matters what you eat and how well you manage your stress and how much you sleep and how much you drink and how much you exercise and whether you take your medications and so forth. And I think to the extent that we can use that multi-source data that I was referencing earlier, have more of a personalized outreach approach, almost like think of an air traffic controller engine that can uh, kind of get to folks at right place, right time, right way based on their behavioral motivational profiles, um, then that might help turn the dial for many folks and help keep them healthy and help keep them um, making healthy choices that can prevent them from uh, getting sick. So for those folks, I think, you know, interventions that help people um, maintain their mental health and so forth would be really helpful. For those who are sick or, uh, you know, dealing with more acute episodes, we have a real challenge right now around navigating the system and access to care. And so there, I think the best opportunity is where and how do we help connect people at the right time in the right way and navigate the system, which is confusing and frustrating. And, you know, we're challenged also by the fact that we're coming off the backs of the pandemic where many of the frontline clinicians are burnt out, honestly. Um, and they've, they've done heroics over the last uh, couple of years for us collectively as a country. And, you know, we have staffing shortages and we have systems that are challenged uh, financially and we have 
customers that are challenged, you know, employer customers that are challenged by the escalating costs of, of healthcare, amongst other things, with hyperinflation. And so how do we help amidst that very challenging, volatile environment, help people who are sick get access to care so it's not taking months to get an appointment to the right care in the right way at the right time? And then for those who are, you know, may not have very acute issues, but are grappling with chronic conditions and chronic conditions, uh, chronic uh, diseases, rather, I should say, how do we help connect them to the right types of solutions? And there's just a plethora of innovative solutions now for pretty much all specialty areas. How do we help connect them to the care that's right for them to help them manage their chronic condition in a way that allows them to live their best life in spite of their condition and without being characterized by their condition. So I would say, you know, at a macro level, it's about right care, right place, right time, right price, but in a hyper-personalized way, uh, which recognizes the distinctions and the differences that people may have based on their health status and their engagement level, their socioeconomic status, and so forth. So, Kanya, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. This has been an outstanding conversation. You're welcome. Thank you for having me, Laura. Hope you have a great day, and uh, we'll be in touch soon. Looking forward to it. It's no secret that the key to increasing member satisfaction lies heavily in how and when you engage with them. With nearly 81% of Americans preferring texting over other forms of communication, wouldn't you want a digital health solution that meets their preference? Meet Lark, an artificial intelligence-based digital health and chronic condition coach that's available to members anytime, anywhere, right from their smartphone. Lark leverages conversational AI and connected devices to activate members, educate and engage them in care, help keep them on track, and achieve positive clinical outcomes. Plus, because Lark is a tech-first solution, it is infinitely scalable and can reach all members of your population no matter where they live. Lark currently supports those living with or predisposed to diabetes, hypertension, cardiovascular disease, as well as general health and wellness, including stress and anxiety management. No matter who or where your member is, Lark has a health solution for them. Connect with Lark today at www.lark.com. That's www.lark.com. And reimagine how healthcare is delivered to your members.